If you have your Bible and would like to share with me the reading of God's Word, however you access it, if you access it on your phone, your tablet, uh, if you linger on your phone too long, I will wonder, though. <laughs> but turn with me to the book of First Samuel, chapter 3. And I'm going to read a setting of scripture that you are probably familiar with. But I have certainly felt the Holy Spirit leading me in this direction to speak um, on this particular word. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 1 through verse number 3. We're just going to start with that first verse. And you remember who Samuel is, right? Samuel is the child of Hannah. Hannah was a barren woman who could not have any children. And God gave her a son at her request. And she gave him back to the Lord so that he could minister in the temple or in the tabernacle. And so the, verse, the first verse here says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was in those days, or was precious in those days. And there was no open vision. And it came to pass that when Eli, the high priest, was laid down in his place, as his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. And I'm going to stop reading right there. I want to key in this morning on that third verse and talk about the light of the lamp. The light of the lamp. Bow your heads, if you will, and let's pray together, all right? Heavenly Father, we are delighted that we have opportunity to be in the house of God. We are grateful this morning that you have allowed your Holy Spirit to touch our hearts, even here today. And thank you that we have sensed the presence of the Lord in this place. I readily confess of my own self, I, I can do nothing. I am incapable. I have no eloquence. I have no, I have no self-ability. I rely completely upon you, Father. And I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will touch my heart and touch those that will hear the word that comes forth. I pray that you will put your word in my mind, your word in my mouth, and that you will let the word come forth with clarity, understanding that each one of us may receive and, and be blessed by your word this morning. Touch us here, I pray today. Give me liberty in the house of God. Let Jesus be exalted and the people of God be edified. And for these things, we will be grateful and we will be thankful. And we ask them now in the name of Jesus and everyone in agreement said, Amen. Amen. So the light of the lamp. 
As I begin here this morning, allow me to share with you some of the historical context that surrounds our text or that surrounds the verses that we have read this morning. And let me give you just a little bit of insight into the spiritual condition of the day. Because at the time when these verses were written, to say the least, things in Israel were at a spiritual low point. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 22 through verse 24, and of course that is the previous chapter from where we've read. But we read, we read in that, that, that first book of Samuel chapter 2 that Eli and his sons had become very sinful before the Lord. The Bible tells us that Eli, the high priest in Israel of that day, he and his sons were the descendants of Levi, those who were chosen to watch over the things of God. And they were supposed to be godly men. They were supposed to be anointed men of God, taking care of the temple of the Lord and ministering unto the needs of the children of Israel. But rather than being men of God and being faithful in their calling, they had become corrupt and immoral. Instead of caring for the people of God and ordering the temple of God as they had been given instruction, they were actually gratifying the flesh they were engaged in illicit sexual relationships with women who congregated at the temple. Instead of giving the sacrifices unto the Lord that belonged unto him, they were feasting upon the best of the sacrifices that were supposed to be offered unto God. And they were keeping those, they were keeping those offerings for themselves. In other words, in reality, they were literally robbing God of what belonged to him. And when Eli, the high priest, approached them and rebuked them for their way, they refused to hear instruction and they refused to change their way. So it was a time of spiritual corruption and self-indulgence. We also read in that, that first verse, the word of the Lord was precious in those days. What does that mean? It, the word of the Lord is always precious. Amen. But no, it, it doesn't mean that, that it's sacred or precious. He was talking about the absence. It was rare. It was, it was rare to hear from God. The word of the Lord was rare, meaning that God rarely spoke to them in those days. It had become darkened. There was rarely any prophetic utterance. There was the unmistakable shortage of the presence and the power of God. There was an unmistakable shortage of the move of God. There was a lack of his presence and a lack of the manifestations of the spirit of the Lord. There was a careless and complacent attitude toward God and it came from the leadership all the way down to the people. Amen. It was spiritually dark. 
It was a time when spiritual leaders had become corrupt, immoral, and unethical. It was a time of widespread rebellion and disobedience. It was a time of adultery and uh, idolatry and selfishness. It was a time of sexual perversion and lust. It was a time of self-will and strife. Beloved, I submit to you this morning that it was a time very much like the time that we are living in today. Hmm. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. This is what the Apostle Paul says about the day that I believe we are living in. Paul says to Timothy, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Now let's look at it real close. I'm reading the New King James Version. And it says, for men will be lovers of themselves. Anybody see that in our society today? Men will be lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, unforgiving, unloving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of those things that are good. Anybody, amen, anybody sound or hear anything that sounds familiar? They will be traitors, heady and headstrong and haughty. They will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And listen to this, they will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And he says, from such, turn away. Let me take you back to that fifth verse. He says, they will have a form of godliness. Now, how many of you know he's talking about the condition of the church? Amen. I'll tell you this morning, the world does not have a form of godliness. The world sins and they don't mind letting you know that they sin. He's talking about the condition of the church. He said, the church is going to be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and boasters and proud and blasphemers and unforgiving and unthankful and without self-control and heady and high-minded and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And he says, they're going to have a form of godliness, but deny the true life-changing power of a living, risen Savior. I submit to you this morning that we are living in just such a world. So the first thing that we need to understand this morning is that during this time uh, surrounding our text, it was a spiritually darkened time. People were living selfishly, living to gratify their flesh and living to, to satisfy the desires of their own hearts. And they were living daily their lives without giving any thought to the precepts of God. Mm. I can't help but just look around the world and it stirs my heart. To think that we see that very same kind of prevalent attitude in our world today. And the Bible tells us there in that third verse, 
Ere the lamp of God, the King James says, Ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord. The new King James gives it a little more clarity. And it says, And before the lamp of God, before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, Samuel was laid down to sleep and God began to speak to Samuel. I feel with all of my heart this morning that God has begun to speak to my spirit about you and I not allowing the lamp and the light of God's spirit going out in our lives. Before the lamp of God, the light in the temple had not yet gone out. What the scripture is saying is the light in the temple had not yet gone out, but it was well on its way. It had been neglected. It had been, it meant it had been pushed to the side. What had once burned brightly was now nothing more than a failing, flickering flame. Amen. The lamp that had once burned with fresh oil from the throne of God and the lamp that had once been tended to with great diligence and the lamp that had once been capable of giving light and revelation, it was now diminished and it was now at the point or at the verge of literally completely going out. Amen. You may be asking yourself, Pastor Gary, why is this lamp so important? I hope that I can make that relevant to you this morning. But in the theater of your mind, I want you to picture the menorah, the lampstand in the tabernacle. The light was flickering low. And what once had given great light is now nothing more than a dimly lit room. The lamp is going out. The light is beginning to diminish. In order for me to uh, explain to you or describe for you this morning why this lamp is so important, I want to go back to the order of, uh, of the tabernacle in the wilderness. If you will bring up slide number two, please. So you can see behind me, I am speaking of the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle in the wilderness because the temple in Jerusalem had not yet been built. As you approached the tabernacle, the first thing that you would encounter would be the door or the gate. You can see it right here in the forefront of the picture. That curtain, that multicolored curtain, that was the gate. That was the door. The gate or the door was 30 feet wide. It was located in the center of the outer court on the east end of the tabernacle of the courtyard. And that gate or that door was covered with fine linen that had been woven together. It was woven together and it was made of blue and purple and scarlet. And that door is, represented the gate. It, it was the only way, as you can see from that slide, it was the only way into the presence of God. There was no other way to get into the holy place or the most holy place. 
Amen. It was, it was the only avenue through which you could enter to get into or into fellowship with God. That door or that gate represents Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse number six, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man can come to the Father but by me. One day Jesus was talking to a group of Pharisees, and he said to them in John chapter 10 and verse number nine, I am the door. I want you to know they knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew that he was saying, I I am the only way to get to God the Father. And I came to tell somebody this morning that if you are ever going to have a relationship with God the Father, then you have got to come through Jesus Christ because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the light, and no man can come to God the Father except through him. Hmm. He is the door. And then the first piece of equipment or the first instrument that you would encounter when you came through the door would be the brazen altar. There on the brazen altar, there on the brazen altar, you would encounter sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Animals, they would slit the throat of the animal and the blood would run. They would let the animal bleed out and then they would burn the flesh of that animal on the altar. And that was the atonement for their sin. It didn't completely remove sin, but it just simply rolled their sin back. And the animal paid the price for their sin. That brazen altar, every day, day and night, the bulls or the blood of bulls and goats were being offered as a type of the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the book of Peter that we were not redeemed with corruptible things uh, such as silver and gold, but that we were redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb of God's Son. Uh, amen. I came to tell somebody this morning, amen, that you'll never make it into fellowship with God unless you go through the blood. You got to come through the blood of Jesus Christ. I know it's an old fashioned term but I will tell you something right up front. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us and washes us and makes us clean and acceptable in the sight of God. We owed a debt that we could not pay and he paid a debt that he did not owe and it is because of the blood blood of Christ that we have fellowship with our God. Yeah. Hallelujah. The next, the next piece of furniture that you would encounter would be the laver. The laver, it's, it was a big wash pot. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. It was filled with water. It was where the priests would they, would, they would sacrifice the animals. And then before they went into the holy place, they would wash themselves and make themselves clean. 
We are saved by the blood of Jesus at the brazen altar. And we are saved daily as we are washed in the word of God. That laver was a symbol or a, or a, a type of the, of the washing of the water, uh, a washing of the water by the word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26 uh, that Christ also loved the church uh, and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word we come through the blood we come through the word and then once they were past the brazen altar and once they were past the labor they would come into the inner court will you bring up the next slide so you can see that the tabernacle, the courts, and all 150 feet, 75 feet wide, on this end was the door. They would approach the brazen altar. The sacrifice was made. The laver, and then, and then the washing of the word, and then they would enter into the holy place. There were two rooms in the sanctuary. They would come through the outer court by the altar, and by the lever and come to the holy place. Amen. That room had, it was the, the holy place and the most holy place. The Bible tells us that the first room of the holy place was where the, the candlestick and the table of showbread and the altar of incense were. And then there was another curtain that behind that curtain was the holy of holies or the most holy place and in there was the ark of the covenant and the very presence of God so let me just describe to you first of all the things in the holy place the table of showbread it represented the word of God the table of showbread was a small table made of acacia wood overlaid with pure gold it, it measured three feet by one and a half feet it stood about two and a half feet tall it stood on the right side of the holy place, uh, holy place across from the lampstand. Every week they were instructed to bake bread and set bread on the table, uh, the table of showbread. The bread was called the bread of his presence, the bread of his presence. Second piece of furniture in that room, the holy place, was the altar of incense where the priest would uh, offer incense before the Lord. The incense was a type of the prayers and the praises and the worship of God's people. And then the third piece of furniture in the holy place was the golden candlestick which represented the light of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Let that sink into your heart this morning. Beyond the holy place, beyond the veil, beyond the veil was the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God. And the priests every day were allowed to go into the holy place, not the holy of holies, but the holy place. And they were instructed on a daily, a weekly basis and a, day, uh, a daily basis. Weekly, they were instructed to replace the bread. And daily they were instructed to go in and they were to refurnish the lampstand. Every Sabbath day they were commanded to change the 12 loaves of bread, one loaf for each of the tribes of Israel. 
It was symbolic of a fresh word of God. I tell you this morning, we need the bread of the presence of God. We need the bread of the Holy Ghost. Amen. To bring revelation to our heart and our life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4 that it is written, man shall not live by physical bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you know why? It is important to come to the house of God and hear the word of God preached because when you hear the word of the Lord spoke into your heart, amen, you are replacing the bread of his presence in your life. You are replacing the bread of the Lord, amen. You're not living on just the natural substance of this world, but you are saying, God, I need spiritual substance. I need spiritual nourishment, and I am counting on the word of God. God to feed my soul. Mm. Daily they were instructed to replace the oil in the golden candlestick. The lampstand was made of solid gold, beaten out of one solid piece of gold. It weighed over a hundred pounds. It was approximately five feet tall. Five feet three inches is what I read. Amen. And servicing the lampstand of the golden candlestick meant that every morning they would go in and snuff out the light in each one of the bowls, replacing the oil and then relighting the candlestick so that it would burn brightly. Amen. That lamp of God was to burn always. In Exodus chapter 27, verse number 20. The Bible says, and thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. In the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil which separated the holy of holies and the holy place. God is saying, tell the children of Israel to bring pure olive oil and, and minister to the lampstand, tend to the lampstand. Amen. He says, Aaron and his sons, he's talking about the priests, the children of Levi, Aaron and his sons, shall, it shall be a statue unto them. Aaron and his sons shall order it every evening and every morning. Every evening and every morning, it shall be a statute unto them forever unto their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. What he is saying is, amen, I want you to have pure olive oil, amen, so that you can minister to the lampstand and attend to the lampstand and, and change the oil and relight it every morning and every night so the light does not go out the oil how many of you know that oil in the old testament represented the anointing of the holy spirit or the anointing of the holy ghost in the new testament every morning beloved i believe that amen we need to be filled with the anointing of the holy spirit 
We need to be filled with the anointing of the presence of God every, amen, every morning, every evening, so that the light in our temple does not go out. How many of you know that the Bible said that we are the temple of the Lord? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the the spirit in the Greek it is an imperative verb and it means that we are to continually be filled amen as an ongoing process we are to continually be filled with the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit so that the light of God that is down within us does not go out that it does not begin to flicker and that the fame does not begin to fail amen and I came to tell somebody this morning that I believe that somewhere along the way some of us have got sidetracked and we've neglected the lampstand that's in our heart and the anointing of the Holy Spirit has begun to flood and leave out of our life and brother it's time to tend to the lampstand and let the anointing of the Holy Spirit refill and rebaptize and reanoint our lives so that the light of the living God will burn brightly in our hearts um, hallelujah we are the temple of the Holy Ghost the church the Bible said is to be salt and light but if the salt has lost its ability to preserve and the light in the lamp ceases to burn I ask you what good are we what good are we if the light has gone out in our, in our lives, then what effect can we make upon this world? Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. And then he goes on to say, you are the light of the world, a city that is set up on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. In other words, people ought to be able to see the light that's in us. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Beloved, we are to be salt and light. We need, to, we need to shake some of the salt out of our lives and we need to let some of the light that we have within us shine. Amen, I believe when I was putting this message together, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, I want my church to arise and shake and shine. I want my church to be the salt that I created them to be and to be the preservative that I created them to be. And I want my church to be a light of the glory 
glory of the majesty of God. God desires for us, amen, to let our light shine. It is not our business at Elevation Worship Center to entertain folks. It's not our business at Elevation Worship Center, amen, to amen to campaign for a political party. It is not our job at Elevation Worship Center to just be another community club. It's not our job just to be a place where folks can come and get a little fellowship. No, 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 no. I want Elevation Worship Center to bear the light of the Word of God and the light of God and the revelation of God. And I don't want the light in my heart or your heart burning out, but I want the light of God to be able to be seen in our lives every day that we live. Hallelujah. I know. I know this morning that I I, I, I feel what I'm preaching to you all the way down in my soul. Hallelujah. Let me ask you a question this morning. What happens when the light goes out? We could try it around here. What happens when the light goes out? There is darkness. There is uncertainty. Have you ever tried to walk in the dark? Have you ever went camping and the moon went behind a cloud and you were trying to make it back from a bathroom run? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> and you wound up, where in the world am I? Light illuminates our path. Light gives confidence. Oh, my God. Light gives confidence to take the next step. Some of you are paralyzed in fear because the light has gone out and you don't know which way to go. Hello? Light illuminates. Light gives confidence. Amen. But when the light goes out, there is uncertainty. When the light goes out, there is doubt. When the light goes out, amen, there is oftentimes fear that arises in our lives. When the light goes out, we stumble in the darkness. When our light goes out, others will fail to see the light of the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ exampled unto them. When the light in our life goes out, sinners uh, will perish. When the light goes out uh, in our lives, their blood will be required at our hands. Do you have scripture for that? I'm glad you asked. I do. Ezekiel 33 and 8. God says through the prophet Ezekiel, when I say to the wicked... O wicked man, you will surely die. And if you do not speak to warn the wicked from his ways, that wicked man will die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hands. You hear what he's saying? He's saying because you, because I allowed the light to go out in my life, you allowed the light to go out in your life. You weren't the example that you could have been. The wicked man will die and perish in his iniquity. But 
We are going to be held responsible. I don't like preaching like that, Pastor Gary. That's okay. It's still the truth. Hello? What happens when the light goes out? We ourselves are being open to risk of being left behind and being left out. This is a parable that Jesus, and I'll close with this. This is a parable that Jesus spoke. He said in, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, he said, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamp, but they didn't have any oil. They didn't take any oil. They had the lamp, but they didn't take the oil. But the wise took oil in their vessel with their lamp. <laughs> and while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumber and slept. And at midnight, the cry came, behold, the bridegroom comes, go out to meet him. And all of the virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps and the foolish realized that their lamp wasn't burning and said to the others, give me some of your oil. Give me some of your oil. Amen. And the wise answered and said unto them, not so. For there will not be enough for us and you, but you go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And the Bible said they went, and while they went, while they were gone, while they went to try to get things right, try to get oil in their lamp, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Let me just stop right here long enough to tell you something that if you think you have more than enough time to get things right, you, you're being foolish. You, know, you do not know what hour that he comes. If you say to yourself, I have more life than I want to live and I, I just want to keep playing in some of this stuff that I'm messing with, I got news for you. You're being foolish. You're being foolish. And the Bible says that they went in and the door was shut. And after the, after the door was shut, there came also the foolish virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Too late. Loose white translation, too late, Bubba. He says in the 13th verse, Watch therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. What is he saying in all of that? He's saying don't allow your lamp to go out. Don't allow the light of the Holy Spirit go out in your heart. You, I, have a responsibility to tend to the lamp that is within us. The light of God that is within us. Eli and his sons were so preoccupied with other things like stealing the best of the sacrifices and hanging out with the ladies that hung around the temple. 
by disobeying the things of God, by not making the, the, the things of God the most important things in their life. They were preoccupied with other things and they neglected the light. They neglected the lamp. And beloved, I am concerned that some of us are so preoccupied with the things of life that we are allowing the light to go out in our life. If we this morning are neglecting the, the light or the lamp of God's spirit in our life, then I came this morning to just simply encourage you. It's time to refuel and refire. It's time to refuel and time to refire and allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with the light of God so that it may shine brightly within our hearts. Bow your heads, please. All over this building, bow your heads. Holy Spirit, only you can take the message and, and make it revelation in our hearts. Father, I have endeavored to do what you have asked me to do this morning. To speak this word to all of us, whether as a warning, as an encouragement, if the light is flickering low within our hearts, help us to understand that you brought this word to our attention so that we may refuel and refire. So that we do not get so preoccupied with the things of life that are around us like the remainder of the world, unconcerned with the things of God. Help us not to become so preoccupied with other things that we allow the light to go out in our heart. I pray, Lord, that you will bring to our attention if we have neglected the lamp, if we have neglected the light, then speak to us right here, right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are completely closed all over the congregation. Are you here this morning and you would just simply lift up your hands, not to Pastor Gary, but to God, and acknowledge to him, Lord, I, I, I didn't even realize, but I've, I've let the light go out in my life. The lamp has been flickering. I haven't tended to it as I should. Hands, yes, yes. Anyone else should slip up your hand and say, Lord, that's me. That's me, yes. Lord, that's me. What once burned brightly, what once was a passion in my heart for Jesus has become a case, Sarah, Sarah, kind of attitude. Anyone else should slip up your hand and say, Preacher, you're preaching to me this morning. God sees your hand. Amen. Stand to your feet all over the building, please. Let's pray together. We'll sing one more worship song.
Jesus, you saw every single hand that was lifted. Right now, as we have acknowledged the error of our way, right now, Lord, I pray that you will allow the anointing. You are the baptizer. You are the giver of the Holy Spirit. Pour fresh oil into our lives. Pour fresh oil, fresh anointing, fresh presence of your Holy Spirit. Here's our cup, Lord, we lift it up. Lord, we, we, we expose the lampstand to you. Fill our hearts with oil. Light a passionate fire within us and allow the flame of your light to burn brightly within our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. You saw every hand. You saw every hand. Lift up your hand to him this morning and just say, Lord, fill me up. Oh, fill me up fill me up Lord fill me up with oil fill me up with oil fresh anointing let the light that burned brightly once that has gone dim let it begin to burn again fill me up hallelujah hallelujah in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Come and say.